Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. This week, I'm joined by a CEO of a big airline, international airline, Air Seychelles. So really interesting uh, conversation lined up. Uh, a quick reminder that today's episode is powered by Zbuni. The Zbuni app gives businesses free tools to start, run and grow online, accept payments and build e-store, create mobile invoices in minutes. And while the interview is brought to you by Zbuni, the guest stories uh, are, are their own. So quickly, and uh, our guest will explain in more detail, but Air Seychelles was founded in 1977 as the national airline of the Republic of Seychelles. Its head office uh, is located at Seychelles International Airport on the island of Mahé. Uh, and their CEO with us now is Remco Althous. Uh, Althous. Uh, he joined Seychelles uh, National Airline in December 2017, uh, as the role of interim chief executive before becoming chief executive officer in September 2018. His career has spanning over 25 years and uh, covering the full breadth of the industry from e-commerce to sales, distribution and marketing. He actually worked with an airline that we'll be familiar with here, uh, Etihad, uh, involved in general manager for China, a massive market. Uh, uh, before moving into the European market. So today we're going to discuss the story of Air, Air Seychelles, the impact of the pandemic, and look at what the future holds. Uh, good morning, Ramco. Good morning, Richard. Very nice to make your acquaintance. Likewise, nice to see you and nice to see that stunning uh, green backdrop behind you. Yeah, it's very, very lush and green here. We, have, we get a lot of rain. So, uh, I mean, also a lot of sun, obviously, because we are very close to the equator, uh, but yeah, it's uh, a tropical paradise. Lots of green everywhere. Amazing, so that's where your head office is and that's where you spend most of your time. Uh, do you do most of your operations from there? Yes, yeah, so the, our, our head office is uh, basically uh, next to the airport terminal uh, and the airport itself uh, is a reclaimed land. So it was opened in 1972 by uh, uh, the Queen Elizabeth. Oh wow. Um, and it's next next to the sea. So if you land here, basically you can see, uh, depending on which direction you come from, the sea on the right side or the uh, the left side. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so it's basically a backdrop of mountains, and then the, the the beach is always close. Yeah, and it must be a very nice place to work. You you showed your screen around there for those listening on the podcast, and on one side you have mountains, the other side you have a sea. So quite a kind of uh, picturesque environment and office. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed, it's very, very, very nice. Very nice. So, Ramco, can you touch on uh, the history of the company and the airline and how it's evolved over, over the last few decades? Yeah, so so like many national airlines, uh, the history of uh, Air Seychelles is closely linked to the development of tourism. And so uh, when tourism uh, became uh, more, more developed and grew here in Seychelles, the need for connectivity uh, grew uh, with that uh, for uh, those who don't know, but we are about four hours south of the UAE and two hours east of Tanzania. So really quite uh, isolated. Mm. And because of the history of Seychelles, uh, with close ties to first 
France and then the United Kingdom, because it was a part of the Commonwealth. Um, historically, a lot of our visitors came from Europe. And so in the, in the early days, uh, Seychelles operated a fleet of Boeing 767s, having an extensive network to major European capitals, London and Paris, Frankfurt. Um, and then it has evolved over time, uh, serving the Seychelles market, bringing in guests. Uh, and then yeah, the business model uh, had to basically evolve with also the development of te technology. Mm. Um, so new aircraft came in, uh, new uh, shareholder came in. And so the Etihad came in as a shareholder in, in 2012 uh, with a re renewed strategy uh, and links to um, uh, Paris and also Hong Kong, and Durban and Dusseldorf. Um, and since I've been here, so since... 2017, uh, we have undergone, like many other airlines, um, another transformation um, because with the rise of uh, network carriers, hub carriers closer to uh, Seychelles, uh, Emirates, Etihad, Qatar Airways, uh, clearly also had a, they, they started to provide uh, a lot of the uh, inbound visitors mm. uh, and that forced us uh, to change, and so um, since since I've been at the helm here, we have uh, given up intercontinental flying because uh, the, the, the economic risks associated with doing a ten-hour flight uh, to Paris or London are quite high. And as a, a tourism destination, you always have seasonality. You have a lot of people coming before Christmas, but the planes to pick them up are are quite empty. Mm. Uh, and so uh, there was, was just too much risk. So we changed the strategy. Now we are regionally focused. Mm. So we have a fleet of uh, Airbus 320 Neos, brand new ones. Uh, one is uh, about a year old and the other one is about 18 months old. And we serve regional markets like Johannesburg and Mumbai, um, the Gulf, uh, and also Tel Aviv, which we, which we launched. Uh, and then other uh, Indian Ocean islands in our own backyard, like Mauritius, and occasionally we have flights to uh, Madagascar, Réunion uh, as well. Mm. So geographically, we're in a quite a, a nice location, meaning that you know, we are basically the fastest point, intermediate point between South Africa and India, for instance. So we fly to Mumbai, to Hansburg quite regularly, and then there's people that come here to the Seychelles. Mm. A bit similar to Emirates, we also have connecting traffic flows for people from India going to South Africa and, and the other way around, but also India to Mauritius. Interesting. Uh, and in, in addition to that, sorry, yeah, in addition to that, we also have domestic, uh, because the Seychelles is an archipelago of 115 islands. And uh -huh. Mahe, where we're located, being the largest one. Um, but you also have the island of Thailand, uh, which has an airstrip uh, where we fly to. Um, in, in the good old days, up to 25 times a day. Wow. And with the pandemic, uh, not quite as frequently. <laughs> but, uh, and uh, yeah. there's also other islands that we serve uh, with charter operations. And, and there's quite a few islands that have been developed into resorts. Mm. And so upon uh, arrival of international flights out of Dubai, Istanbul, or even uh, London. Yeah. Airway, these customers transfer onto our domestic. Interesting. Well, Remco, thank you for explaining that, the full history, and then to try and, because I think um, 
people uh, will know the aviation sector and will um, know it from a user point of view and consumer point of view when they're booking flights and to understand, to try and have an analogy of, you know, if we're doing domestic uh, or regional flights, we might look at, uh, you know, different types of airlines. And if we're doing international flights, there's airlines who specialize in that. And you you mm-hmm. quite nicely described it there. I imagine that, um, like I told you half air, when my mum traveled to Seychelles from Ireland in 1977, you would have traveled on a national air carrier, whereas that's, that story uh, has changed over the years and it's become different. But obviously it must have been challenging for Air Seychelles because you're not necessarily on a continent with many countries. As you explained, you, there was isolation. Um, so to kind of, you know, and to, to stay relevant and repositioning must have been challenging in terms of we've seen national air ca- carriers, uh, you know, struggle with the changing landscape. So how have you managed to successfully navigate that sort of uh, shift in positioning over the last decade? Well, I think uh, like like any business, you constant, constantly have to reinvent yourself and go with uh, the developments. And clearly with um, the connectivity to Seychelles improving, uh, which is also linked with uh, a rise in visitor numbers, mm. uh, you have to look, okay, what is, our, what is the cost base? Uh, what is an, an, an aircraft asset that we can operate uh, with uh, the maximum potential for uh, for positive results, and uh, yeah, we found that uh, yeah, the number of visitors that uh, Seychelles can host uh, on an annual basis is obviously very clearly linked to the uh, number of hotel beds. Yeah, uh, means that uh, if there is a lot of other airlines coming in bringing in capacity that uh, we have no choice but to focus on, 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 on niche markets. Uh, there's, there's always traffic flows that you could find uh, where, like I said, uh, geographically you have an advantage. Uh, I mean, from a cost point of view, we are, we are quite competitive cost yeah. base. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we've, we've had to uh, look at the, the, the ever-changing dynamic. Uh, and I think um, because uh, aviation is a global industry, and it means you have no choice but to, to look at the global developments, even if you are on, on a very isolated part of the world and, and basically with a, with a relatively small uh, home market. And the whole world comes uh, and enjoys the scenery and the beaches and the sea and the climate here in Seychelles. And it means that we also have to follow best international practice when it comes to um, fleet utilization, uh, human resource development, and technology innovation. Yeah. And so we, we, have, we have done that and constantly assessing um, our cost base. Um, does what we do make economic sense? And if, if not, we need to change it. And that's what we have been implementing uh, because clearly uh, the, the, the model we had up until 2017 was no longer sustainable, right? meaning that uh, if, if you have an airline that loses too much money, then shareholders want you to to, to change. Uh, it, they have to, otherwise it's just, uh, yeah. it, it, you have to put in more capital. It makes it, uh, 
And on, on that point, is it an independent company and is there shareholders and is there, you know, is it important for the national identity to have a national air carrier or is is there sort of a, a business goal it's, here it's independent? Owned, it's owned, uh, like, like many state-owned uh, airlines by the government of Seychelles. Uh, there was a cooperation with, uh, with Etihad, which is uh, coming to uh, a close. Uh, so Etihad had a part of the shareholding. Uh, but uh, since they cha- change their strategy, uh, that they're like, that's changing. Um, yeah. So that's one hundred percent government uh, Seychelles uh, owned. And how are uh, you but mentioning? A, sorry, go, go ahead. It's a, it's a limited liability company, so it's kind of managed at arm's length from uh, from 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 government. Independent decision making. Clearly, yeah. Very clear, very clear and close cooperation. Yeah, with uh, the, the, the stakeholders here, so the Ministry of Tourism, Ministry of Transport, and yeah, the Seychelles Tourism. And, and about that integration, you mentioned at the start that you know a lot of the travel to the Seychelles is tourism-led. How uh, how intertwined is the brand of Air Seychelles with Seychelles as a tourism destination, and how how strategic is that? And how would you describe the brand of Seychelles, but also Air Seychelles? Well, I think the, the brand of Seychelles is a very um, high or well, luxury one. It's, it's, a, it's a bucket list destination. So it, it has a very high inspiration level. A lot of people would like to come here. There's a lot of people that, that go on honeymoon here and then come back to celebrate their uh, silver or golden anniversary. Um, so yeah, it, 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 has, uh, it has that, uh, that value. Uh, clearly, we have the brand of the uh, country on our aircraft, and uh, our, our livery is a combination of the colors of um, the, con- uh, the country flag, and then with elements of uh, things that like beach and sand, coconuts, and, and those kind of things. So, uh, and birds, there's a lot of uh, endemic birds here. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, we, 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 we have. We, 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 Closely associated with uh, Seychelles and, and clearly in uh, out in the market uh, because the resources are limited. Uh, not only the financial resources, but also uh, the uh, just human resources because the population of Seychelles is not very large. We we go to trade shows together and we develop markets together, uh, and so there's alignment from a national level on um, on the strategy. Mm, interesting. It makes sense to be aligned on that level as well. How would you, Ramco, describe or how do you differentiate the service offering on an airline? What are the things that you've looked to put in place uh, for, to make uh, your guests feel special? Well, we, we realize, I mean, on the one hand, we have uh, to take into consideration uh, the environment we operate in. And uh, it's a bit technical, but. Um, since we are so isolated, uh, the flight operations uh, specific, uh, the alternate that we have in case of bad weather here is quite far. And that means that um, if uh, Seychelles Airport is close to bad weather uh, and we see that coming uh, during the flight, uh, we have to uh, divert to, to an airport uh, in Madagascar. Mm. It means that for us in specking the NEOs, what's very important is the weight of the aircraft, because clearly, at the lighter the aircraft, the 
uh, better the economics and the more fuel you can take and therefore the higher the passenger load. Right? So uh, we have decided to uh, specify our airlines with 12 business class seats and 156 economy class seats. Mm. Uh, but for instance, we have decided instead of to have in-flight screens to have uh, streaming entertainment through boxes that people can watch on their own devices. So we have in-flight entertainment, we have movies, we have music, but the, the screens in the back, uh, the back seats, in the back of the seats are too heavy. Yeah, interesting. For us uh, to, to uh, well, not too heavy, but basically that comes at an economic cost for us, right? Because that comes at the expense of fuel, and that means in order to maximize the revenue potential on the aircraft uh, in case of a diversion, and we've decided to uh, to keep it light. We say we have no, no, a lot of people who travel these days have big phones or big iPads with them anyway. Sure. But what we need, and they have headphones, and so all we need to, to ensure is that we have entertainment, uh, and then people can watch it themselves. And that has worked quite well, but it saves 500 kilos per aircraft. Interesting. Uh, and that's basically 500 kilos is fuel or more passengers yeah and so yeah, we from a from a from a service point of view we're still a full service carrier so everybody who flies with us gets a meal and drinks and we have a business class service um, that is uh, presented to uh, to the customers they have choice of of, uh, of uh, entrees yeah, we have uh, wines we have alcohol i mean so all those all alcohol beverage all these things we do have mm. uh, but on some of the elements of our service we have to had to kind of take into consideration the operating environment uh, that we have mm. that, that is what i explained uh, just now it's fascinating you've touched on a few of the elements there but just how difficult is it to run uh an airline profitably uh, how many? Yeah, <laughs> how hard is it as well, a as a job? There's <laughs> a question. Uh, well, I think you can you can anybody who follows aviation and international air transport association numbers understands that it's extremely <laughs> difficult. No, it's it's uh, uh, clearly yeah. if you look at the, the pain points or uh, it sounds a bit uh, negative, but if you look at the total um, value chain of tourism or of connectivity, so to speak. Hmm. Um, the airlines take a lot of risk and they have little reward. And so aviation is inherently very capital and labor intensive. True. And it's labor intensive uh, because of the regulatory environment. So uh, you, you want two people in the cockpit, you have one crew member per door, that's all prescribed. Hmm. Um, and then, you also need a lot of people for handling. If you look at turnaround of any aircraft, uh, there's, a, there's a, a lot of activity. You need people to climb into the hold of a narrow body to uh, take bags out or to put them in. And even if it's a triple seven, uh, you have to have a machine that basically a high loader that takes out the containers. So uh, you need people for water, you need people for toilet service, you need people for cabin cleaning, you need people for catering. So it's highly labor and capital intensive. And that in an environment that uh, is um, volatile, meaning that they have good years when, and basically that is um, uh, the development is a coefficient of GDP development. People, you need discretionary spending for basically for, for people extra money in their pockets to go on holidays. Mm. Uh, and in good years, they spend more, and then you have a good year, but then the economy 
um, goes the other way, or you have an outside shock, like a global pandemic, mm. um, that, that means that you take on a lot of risk. That's also why governments around the world have uh, intervened and are supporting their national airlines, or even when they're privatized, mm. in order to uh, sustain the industry, because connectivity is, is clearly a requirement or condition for economic development mm. and you need to maintain that and you need to you want to keep those jobs it's often said that for every job at an airline there are eight to ten jobs in the total chain yeah and meaning travel agents i mean taxi drivers i mean people at the airport people in taxi sto- uh, shops uh, people in catering ground handling companies so um yeah, it is difficult uh, to make money Mm. Uh, it's been around maybe for a little over a century now, 102, three years. Mm. Yeah. Uh, oldest airlines in, in the world. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it's tough, but it's also uh, an economic enabler for tourism and for services. And for, I mean, Dubai is, I think, a great example of that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and, and how you described it, it's just an interesting question because we see so many headlines and different things. And we, we now talk about the pandemic, but you kind of touched on the things you can't control, such as weather or fuel prices and, and things like that, that it's hard to factor. Um, but before we move to the pandemic, from you obviously have a, a career in this industry. Um, how would you uh, describe the current role, uh, you know, in terms of challenges or opportunities and what attracted you to Air Seychelles in terms of, you know, working with an international carrier like Etihad or maybe from your native Netherlands where there's more domestic and obviously well-known carriers there as well. Um, what attracted you to uh, Seychelles and um, how, are you, how are you enjoying the role? Well, uh, I mean, uh, what I uh, alluded to earlier is that uh, this is a, a marginal industry, yeah? so it's, it's quite quite challenging. Mm. And what's interesting is that it is people-oriented and technology-oriented. And I like I always uh, like to say, you have a lot of opportunity every day to make a lot of people very happy because most people travel for happy reasons. Eh? They go to see a business partner, or they go to see... On holiday, it goes to see relatives or friends, or, or occasionally it's sad if they have to go to a funeral. But most people travel for uh, for happy reasons, and sure. it's a fantastic feeling to be able to kind of uh, bring people together on a daily basis. That is what we do, mm. and because of um, uh, the, the, the margins, it is an, an ever ongoing quest for improvement <laughs> yeah. and for more efficiency and for do things better. And like I said, aviation is at the forefront of technological development um, it, because it has to. And you have these very complex machines like aircraft, also on the distribution side and on the handling side uh, and on basically um, how do you manage your, your, your base of components, a lot of logistical work. And it's just exciting to be able to work with, uh, with teams and it doesn't matter if it's in China or if it's in the Netherlands or in the UAE or here in Africa or the Indian yeah. Ocean, to work with a team to constantly uh, see how you can uh, take people on a journey for for improvement of results and improvement of customer service. And that's what I find so uh, attractive about it. 
Amazing, interesting. Uh, there's lots of commonalities. Well, we'll take a quick break, and after the break, we'll hear from Remco about the current uh, state of play in Seychelles. As mentioned at the start of this episode, Dubai Works is powered by Zbuni. The Stroller Spa is an eco-centric, bespoke baby gear service. They make sure that products are non-toxic, organic, and baby safe, and they offer repairs, cleaning service, and even rentals if you or a family member just arrived in town and need a stroller ASAP. Zbuni provides them with an easy way to deal with requests by providing customization. The convenience and on-the-go nature of the business is supported by quick Zbuni payment solutions. Back. Uh... So yeah, we were talking a lot about the decisions that goes into the day-to-day running of a of an airline. But how difficult was the global pandemic when it hit last year? Well, it was a, a huge shock to the system. I mean, uh, within uh, a couple of weeks, it all came to a grinding halt. And so, if you look at Seychelles as an arrival destination, the first two months of last year were actually better than um, the year before. So the year was off to a good start, as were we as an airline, after the uh, transformation, starting to yield results. Then, of course, it came to a grinding halt. So we had to, uh, no, the visitors stopped. So in April, uh, there was no more visitors, no more foreigners coming to the island. And then so our role changed quite considerably uh, from basically bringing in visitors to uh, ensuring that uh, the country still had uh, critical goods. because uh, not only as Seychelles stop, but all airlines clearly, if you're as isolated as we are, we depend on an outside live line yeah. for food and for medicine and for things that, that, that uh, can't be put on a ship that are needed quickly. So we, we became a, uh, would say a charter operator, but we changed, uh, like many other airlines, uh, quite quickly uh, and with a lot of agility to um, tap into the requests that we got to uh, either repatriate Seychellois. So we picked up students from abroad. We, and also, we have a limitation to uh, what the island could offer in terms of medical treatment. So as some medical uh, treatments uh, can't be uh, done here. So people go to Dubai or they go to India. And so we've had flights to India, people uh, undergoing difficult medical uh, treatments. Mm. We have uh, helped with fish export because when the when the economy came, the tourism economy came to a halt. And Seychelles as a country is a fish exporting nation. So we've had outbound charter flights for fish, yeah. but also uh, helped to uh, staff uh, the fishing fleet by picking up seafarers from uh, from Spain and from France and from West Africa. So in a very short period of time, we've had to kind of develop um, and find uh, flight plans and and information for more than 40 new destinations, because that is kind of what the market uh, asked. Uh, Aircraft became, um, there were a lot of aircraft parked, and that means that the utilization of scheduled flights has dropped tremendously because a lot of flights were canceled. Mm. And so we had a lot of ad hoc business. It means that our team had to kind of, okay, what is this, what is this route? We, we don't know anything there. We don't know, we don't have 
have to uh, find information about this airport. We have to find a handler. So we worked with a company in, in Dubai to help us uh, provide uh, flight services. So contracting, uh, ground handling, and, uh, water and fuel, all those yes. things. Uh, and for every flight, uh, clearly also uh, under the regulatory environment, you have to uh, get approval from, from the regulatory environment. So you have to do due diligence on new routes and on flight plans. And, mm. and we've had flights uh, with, with stops in Cairo to Western Europe, to Bilbao and to Brussels, and to Amsterdam, and to, uh, we've been to China to uh, repatriate. We've been to Dakar. We've been to Senegal, to uh, Ivory Coast, Abidjan, to uh, lots of different new places. Amazing. Um, so quite, quite exciting, but also uh, a challenge yeah, because you understand, uh, uh, our team is is uh, uh, quite quite small. We have uh, 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 relatively small teams in operations control center and flight operations department. So um, exciting and uh, but and successful. But uh, it's it's good. And I think also I'm very proud of the of the team uh, on how quickly they were able to to change mm. from um, a passenger scheduled carrier to also uh, cargo carrier. And we carried, for instance, also uh, protective equipment and medication in the cabin. And also, in order to be able to do that, you have to get approval from the regulatory environment. So we have to, yeah, quite do quite work, follow global standards from uh, International Civil Aviation Organization, ICAO. Yeah. Uh, safety standards, do work, um, come up with a plan, do a, a management of change process. Uh, that, and then, provide the documents that gives them the comfort that we thought of everything yeah uh, and we were able to do that so that was quite uh, quite good that's amazing when you described the focus originally on uh tourism and the national strategy and then the airline performs a key role with national emergency but also economical and imports and exports it, it shows how important the national airline carrier is to an island like the Seychelles it's fascinating to hear um bringing us up to kind of current day and a year on from the pandemic what were some of the decisions that were made in terms of tourism um with with lots of factors like quarantine safety pandemic response um, and how did you plan that I saw some uh, promotions this week and I've never seen a reaction like the one on Love in Dubai uh, for a post with the offer to the Seychelles. It feels like the whole of Dubai wants to visit your island at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's amazing. But is that was that uh, obviously strategic? And um, how have you kind of rebounded from last year? Yeah, so so in, in basically engaging with our stakeholders, uh, you have to uh, see, okay, uh, what are the, the historic source markets that, that we have? And the truth is that historically, 65% uh, of our visitors come from four countries in Europe, mm. France, Germany, Italy, and the UK. Uh, and most of those people uh, are still under lockdown, right? Uh, and uh, that means that uh, if you say, well, we have the ability as a country to reopen, and of course, you can only do that if you feel that the, the citizens are protected. Um, and in Seychelles, there's been a strategy of, Okay, we, we stay closed because we have to get this prevention. But let's try to get everybody vaccinated as quickly as possible. So uh, when the vaccines became available early in the year, um, Seychelles, with a population of about 100,000 100, people, I was able to 
uh, say, well, logistically, we, it's a challenge, but we can do this. Mm. And the numbers are not so high that it's going to take a lot of time because once you have the vaccines, you have to set up the logistics for the vaccination program. And then hey, you can do this quite quickly. So then it became a question, how quickly could we do this? And the, the initial thought was by mid-March, we should be able to open because enough people in, in Seychelles will be vaccinated. That means that regardless of who comes in, population here will be protected. And ultimately, it was decided a little uh, over two weeks ago to open on the 25th of March. With that information, that knowledge in mind. So today, comes, yeah. Who, who can we expect to come? Uh, and so, well, we know that other countries with high vaccination levels will most likely allow their citizens to travel first. That means that UAE, Israel, and we've developed Tel Aviv uh, as a, Israel as a source market uh, back at the end of 2019 with good results. So we'd focus on that. And then uh, it's also just doing uh, an assessment on, okay, um, who is our benchmark? Who is doing tourism development quite successfully under these circumstances, which is the Maldives. And where do the Maldives people come from? Um, and let's see, uh, if we don't have connectivity to those markets, is there something that we can learn from that? Mm. So clearly, that led to the decision to say, well, um, Europe is Europe. We know that the European Union, and I know this from my home country, uh, has purchased uh, vaccines centrally. And that means the vaccination level for most of the EU countries is the same. Uh, and it means that uh, it will start to ramp up quite exponentially from basically next week or so. Mm. Yeah, but it's going to take until at least July before a high enough level of the EU countries uh, is vaccinated to the extent that the governments will say, you can now go abroad because they can't constitutionally, most cases, stop it, but they're definitely not uh, stimulating it either. Yeah, and that means, uh, okay, if we can't get people from, from Germany and France, Italy, or the UK short term, we'll have to do something else. And that's why we came up with the plan, okay, there is connectivity with um, Dubai. Because we operate a NEO, which is quite a cost-efficient aircraft, and so the, the, the cost per block hour compared to a, a 777 uh, are lower. It also means that we can uh, stimulate the market by offering very attractive fares. That is, that is what we're doing. We don't... Um, pretend to, uh, yeah, we don't have first class. And so we are basically targeting a different segment of the market in Dubai than, um, than Emirates does. Mm. Uh, and so that's why we, there's, there's still people there. We already uh, have the first flight from Tel Aviv arrived today wow. uh, since uh, it, it reopened. Uh, and the, the first flight from Dubai will arrive on Saturday. Uh, and there's also other things that we are looking at. So other source markets. Uh, that, uh, and so, yeah, why reinvent the wheel? Um, and Mumbai, for instance, uh, we, we have always flown to Mumbai. Um, and now we know that India has a huge population. There's also a segment of the Indian market that is interested in flying to Seychelles uh, for holiday mm. because there's not that many other places to go. Mm. We... Uh, that's why after, uh, we have a flight plan for, uh, well, our, our flight schedule to Mumbai will uh, start to pick up on the, the 7th of April, twice a week. And uh, the loads look quite encouraging. Mm. Interesting. So, yeah. uh, that is amazing. You explained the 
that you explain it so easy to understand, but I'm sure it's quite complicated to make these decisions. Uh, Remco, you worked for a, a Middle East airline. How do you view this market with regards to the opportunity for Seychelles and Air Seychelles? Do you see it as an emerging middle class? Do you see um, you know, the kind of tourism numbers from across the Middle East? And I know it's a, it's a, a big region, but do you see that as a kind of a core focus over the next decade or so? Well, I think it's obvious that uh, once you decide to uh, reduce the risk for the company and have a blueprint with, with a smaller aircraft like the NEO, uh, the, the maximum flight range of that aircraft is basically the circle of six hours around Seychelles that is then uh, six and a half hours uh, becomes your, uh, your, uh, your, your ground to, uh, to cover and basically the markets to develop. Uh, and clearly, uh, within uh, the markets, uh, within those opportunities, uh, the UAE uh, and also, but also other uh, states are quite um, important uh, going forward. Uh, so uh, there's good connectivity to the UAE, Dubai, and Abu Dhabi. Uh, but there's also um, other things that we could look at. Uh, and the question is, um, uh, every every uh, it's it's about positioning and, and segmentation and and uh, are there if there's opportunities we'll, we'll we'll look at that i mean i think for us potentially in the future in saudi arabia it would be interesting mm. uh, absolutely with uh, the, the development and the opening of that economy mm. uh, we haven't taken a decision on it yet but we're clearly looking at those things i mean we have south africa we're very loyal to that we always have that and yeah. we have our own backyard, um, Mauritius and potentially Madagascar. Yeah. From source market point of view, India. Uh, and yeah, we, have, we are very optimistic about that. And once we get out of this globally, meaning that travel becomes safe again, yeah. uh, and people don't feel that, uh, I mean, what is inhibiting people from travel right now is the unpredictability. And so the, the regulations with regards to quarantine and testing that you have to do. And so there's a lot of the people, the people that now take flights are the ones that uh, really want to go, also have the means to go, obviously, mm. uh, but are the bravest, um, let's say the, the, the new explorers that say, okay, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll basically take whatever comes my way uh, and, and take a chance because I really want to, to, uh, to go outside. And do you have a... Do you have a forecast or an estimation? I know it's impossible with uh, that we're all going through this and it's still very uncertain times, but do you and the tourism board of the Seychelles uh, envisage a, a, um, a, a year or a month that we will be back to kind of Q4 2019 numbers? Well, I mean, uh, to, to, to answer your question, uh, Richard, um, IATA, International Transport Association, thinks that... Uh, Global aviation will be back at 2019 level, 2019 level in 2024. Mm. So it's going to take quite a while. The thing is, uh, it's also what I say to the team, clearly IATA is the weighted average of all airlines uh, around the world. And, and uh, I believe that if I look at Maldives, Maldives is back at 50% of what it was uh, in 2019. Mm. Um, and I have no reason to think that that is not achievable for Seychelles either. Uh, and, and clearly, there's a lot of pent-up demands. There's a lot of people that haven't traveled on a holiday for a year. Uh, I don't think that money is an issue because people have been able to save a lot of money because they haven't spent it on holiday theater, 
movies, restaurants, sure. uh, cars. Uh, I mean, maybe they've done re redecorating their homes, but they haven't really spent it on, on expensive stuff. So uh, there is huge pent up demand, and there's more. Uh, how we, how do we guide everybody? Uh, people want to reclaim their 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 aviation, uh, their, their opportunities. They want to go abroad and, and, and reclaim their experiences. Mm. Uh, so I'm quite optimistic about it. Uh, how quickly? Uh, well, I think Seychelles will beat the IATA forecast. I, I'm quite confident that that that. And the visitor numbers here will 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 be better before 2024. Uh, before yeah, before 2024. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. And the thing is, if you say you, know, you have a, a slow ramp up, so so the first quarter of this year is really bad. We can now see that uh, the planes are coming in and, and the connectivity improves, so you have more visitors. Hmm. But um, I believe for tourism, this will be back at the historic levels quite quickly. Um, because uh, it is not, you, you don't start from scratch, right? You had basically a shock to the system, but the historic demand was there. Yeah. Uh, it's not like you have to start all over with your market development. Yeah, definitely. And, and, with, and with Seychelles as well, it's not as if you're wondering to see will business travel return or not. It's very much, we do tourism no, well. No, and, not, at, not yeah. at all. Yeah, exactly. Not at all. Not at all. But uh, right. because, I mean, clearly, because you can't, you can't, you can't do Zoom. You can't go on a Zoom holiday. No, as much as Zoom, Microsoft yeah. Teams, or Google Meet, or whatever. But you can't experience uh, no. a swim or snorkeling or no. the beach or the tropics. The the the, the white <laughs> yeah. beaches. Maybe with VR, yeah, you could. Yeah, the white beaches of the island you're on at the moment. Um, yeah, I hear they're stunning, and I would love to visit one day. But just kind of. Um, you know, uh, if we've learned anything, we've learned how unpredictable uh, things can be. Um, and to lastly, just to focus on what what you see as the kind of challenges and opportunities for the aviation sector, but also for tourism in, in the future. I, I kind of remember a, a kind of a topic of conversation before the pandemic around the airline industry was a global shortage of pilots. Um, and uh, now that's not spoken about because obviously things have changed. But uh, what are the things that, you know, we, we hear about um, different types of fuel. We hear uh, about different ways of traveling. We hear about different uh, technological innovations. Um, some are short term, some are long term. Uh, for you in particular, what, what do you kind of where, where do you lay your bets on, and what do you how do you see the aviation industry for Air Seychelles in particular for, over the next kind of decade? Well, people, uh, as long as there's been people on the planet, they've always moved and they've always uh, gone abroad, and uh, sometimes for for political reasons, sometimes for for economic reasons. I think we are very um, curious uh, by nature, so we like to explore stuff, and that'll that'll undoubtedly continue. So I have no doubts that um, uh, aviation yeah. links will 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 continue to grow and develop. Um, clearly, uh, there is a, a number of people on the planet has an impact on basically on the planet right now. That's something that needs to be addressed. Um, so we will need technological developments to help us um, solve those problems uh, of CO2 emissions. And aviation uh, plays a role there also, although uh, not as large as uh, 
most people uh, want us uh, to believe. Right? So typically the, the, the share of, of uh, the carbon emissions of aviation globally uh, are two or three percent of all of them. But since we've always been at the front line of technological development, uh, those those uh, developments will, will continue, meaning that you'll have alternative fuels. Uh, there, there's going to be tests with uh, electric aircraft, on, first on a smaller scale. Yeah. Uh, I also believe that dro drone technology is going to take off tremendously. Amazing. Um, yeah, because uh, you could have drones are small now, but they could become quite larger in the future. Mm. And so um, that will that'll always continue. So pe people will want to move, people will want to interact, people will want to see stuff. Um, we have had same type of propulsion on, on jet engines uh, for about uh, over 80 years now. And it hasn't radically altered. And there's experience now with, with uh, space travel becoming um, more affordable. Uh, and we'll see what that uh, technological developments will then do with, uh, with uh, aviation. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, at cars, uh, in, in my home country, 25% of all the cars right now are uh, electric or hybrid cars. Already? Who would have thought of that um, wow. five years ago? Mm. So there's, there's there, 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 there are physics problems to overcome. Yeah. For which we need scientific breakthroughs. But I have no doubt that the, those problems will ultimately uh, be solved and new technology will come our way. So many things um, yeah, but, to think of. Yeah. And, and, air, and, and now it's called an airline yeah, because, uh, and like, like for all other uh, fields, uh, airlines were also uh, adopted. So far, it's been quite iterative. So I basically, uh, if you look at the, the power of a NEO and the power of an Airbus 320 NEO mm. engine versus uh, what it was 20 years ago, I mean, once we have a 20% more efficient than the previous generation. So uh, with te technological developments, these engines will become uh, stronger. But mm. at a certain moment, I think we will have. Maybe, I don't know when, whether I will live to see it. But you'll have alternative sources of uh, of power, and it could be hydrogen or yeah for smaller aircraft, electricity. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. So air, air Seychelles will live on, but what fuels it might change. Um, your, your advice, Remco, to finish uh, on Dubai travelers who are thinking of the Seychelles at the moment: should they rush and book uh, during the current midterm in Easter, or should they wait? For the summer, uh, when when's a good time to travel? Well, I mean, uh, uh, it's always a good time to travel because, uh, the, like, well, actually, uh, not completely like Dubai, but the weather, the temperature here is quite constant. It's it's about between twenty eight and thirty two degrees every day. Wow! <laughs> uh, and and then you have the nights are about twenty five, twenty six. Um, Beautiful. You have. Lots of great beaches, beautiful beach, one of the most beautiful beaches in the world. That is uh, nice granite rocks here. Yeah. Um, so you have mountains as well, as you can see behind me, a very lush vegetation. Um, so there's a lot to explore. There's snorkeling, there's beach, there's swimming, there's uh, excursions. You can go mountain climbing, uh, a lot of good diving too. So wow. uh, I would welcome anybody wow. who would like to have a great relaxing holiday. Yeah. 
to come here and enjoy the rain of Seychelles as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Amazing. It, that... it, it's a bit drier now because the rainy season is over. It's a bit drier now, but we still have uh, rain showers every now and then. Okay. Well, well, I think you'll, I think you'll have lots of people coming from Dubai over the next few months. In fact, I'm sure of it. Well, thank you so much, Ramco, for your time this morning. It's been a fascinating conversation. I've learned a lot, and it'll be great to follow your story uh, in in the future. All right. Well, thank you for your time, Richard. I much appreciate uh, the opportunity, and uh, hopefully, uh, we'll meet you here in Seychelles. I'm uh, hopefully one day, inshallah. Thank you very much, right. Ramco. Take care. Nice to speak to you. This show was powered by Zmini. Once again, a big thank you to them to help us provide this content to you for free. Also, thank you to our producer, Yana Kalashikova, editor, Ali Baba. Please do check out more Dubai Works episodes and other shows over on Smashy.tv. You can follow us on social media and download our app, which is available on iOS, Android, and all good smart TVs. See you next week.